Hello and welcome to the Female Founder Friday podcast with me, Lindsay White. I'm passionate about helping female entrepreneurs be great leaders, build high-performing teams, and create inspiring workplace cultures through innovative talent programs and practices. Because when people feel like they belong at work, they deliver their very best and businesses thrive. Throughout the last two seasons of the Female Founder Friday podcast, I've had the incredible pleasure of talking to an amazing variety of female entrepreneurs about their journeys to creating their own businesses, the mistakes they've made along the way, and how they view their own leadership. In this third season of the podcast, we're going to take that one step further. And I'm challenging all my guests this season to take my leadership style quiz. And at the end of each episode, we'll be digging into their leadership style and how it impacts the way they lead in their life and in their business. Now, if you're interested in learning more about your leadership style and you want some of my top tips to help you lead more effectively, you can take the quiz right now. Just check out the show notes for the link or head over to highvoltageleadership.ca, click on the button at the top of the page that says take the quiz. You can share your results, connect with our guests, and of course, join the conversation on Instagram by following me. And my handle is at highvoltleadership. My guest this week is Donna Dubay, the founder of Productivity Plus. Now Donna's down to earth and straightforward approach to making data-based decisions is super powerful in helping female founders create more capacity and close up some of those leaks in their business so they can make more strategic choices. Donna's calm, cool, and very supportive approach to leadership makes her super impactful in her own business and, of course, when she's building relationships with others and their teams. I'm really excited to have Donna with us on the show today. Hey, Donna, thank you for being a part of the Female Founder Friday podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm so happy to be here and share with the audience. Oh, awesome. Well, I always start off with the question uh, about your journey to being a female founder, because there is always something interesting in the story. So tell us, Donna, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, right. So like probably most of us, my path is not straight and narrow. It's very windy and twisty. Um, And so I started my career actually as an ICU nurse, and I very much enjoyed that type of work. It was very much, um, you know, sometimes high pace, high strung, but um, the the joy of seeing patients actually recover and be able to go home was just wonderful. So I really enjoyed that, but I found that once I started a family and had children, the shift work was a little tricky for me. So I moved out of that, looked after my kids, and homeschooled my kids for a number of years. And then I wanted to get back into the workforce, but I didn't really want to go doing shift work again. Um, And so several pivots along the way, I've now landed at um, my business called Productivity Plus, where I am a certified director of operations, and I focus on helping people with data and measurement. So looking at their metrics and what insights those metrics are telling us. I love that. And and I think, you know, that is something that is absolutely key to running a a successful but also sustainable business, Donna, is knowing those KPIs, knowing those numbers and understanding, you know, what, what those trends are, what those indicators are, all of those things. Yes, for sure. And so many of us, you know, we have a business idea, we get started, 
We think, oh, this is good. And we get a few clients, it's working, or we sell a few courses or whatever it is. But then to take that to the next level, whatever that is for you, you need to know what's working and what isn't working. And for many of us, we're just guessing, honestly. We're like throwing spaghetti on the wall and saying, well, let's try this and see if it sticks. And so really by looking at your data, you can really see what's working for my business and you know what do I need to do more of and what do I need to do less of because it's not giving me a return on investment. So I think a lot of people think the data is scary and they don't want to go there. But honestly, it doesn't have to be scary. It's just answering questions. I love it. Okay. So th uh, that makes me super curious. How do you make the data not scary, Donna? Yes. Okay. So what we do is we have approach it from a strategic perspective. And so at the beginning, I'm going to sit down with the business owner and go through what their goals are for the next six to 12 months. And right. from there, we're going to pull out what metrics we should be tracking in order for them to reach those goals. Mm -hmm. And then once we know those metrics, I'm going to pull that data from the different sources, wherever they're being collected now, and put them on a custom dashboard. So think of it like the dashboard for your car, where you can easily and visually see the health of your engine, if you need an oil change, you know, how many kilometers you've gone. You can see that for your business as well. You can see your revenue, your expenses, you can see your marketing activities. You know, we can even dig into as far as, you know, which email in your sales sequence got the most opens. Like, I mean, you can go far if you want to, right? And so, but by presenting that visually, it makes it much easier for the business owner to see. So there's no math, no complicated spreadsheets and pivot tables. It's just a visual representation. Okay, so I really love that. So this isn't just about the financial numbers and data, because we we have that. I mean, what whatever system we're using, this is about more than that, though, Donna. Yes, 100%. So I like to look at the business from a holistic perspective. So there's three sort of pillars or three areas. So there's finances, obviously, because we are in business. It's not a hobby, right? Um, and so <laughs> making that profit at the end of the day is important. Um, and then the marketing side. So there's different metrics we can look at from marketing to make sure that, you know, the channels you're on and what you're doing, whether it's organic or paid, is right. actually resonating with your audience. And then third is what I call operations or team. And so if you're a solopreneur, you can look at how much time you're spending with each client or activity that you're doing and look at that return on investment. If you have a team, you can also do the same with them. So you're seeing, okay, what's really costing me a lot? And what's, you know, most more cost effective for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. And as someone who works on that people operations piece, that people strategy piece, I actually think that that's something that a lot of businesses now, whether you have employees or contractors that, and counting yourself, like, hello, I'm, you know, I'm an employee of this business, whether I get paid or not. I mean, that's like a whole other conversation. <laughs> But, yes. <laughs> like actually understanding what, what is happening there, what is happening there. And, and I love from a data perspective, bringing that into the picture, because that can be really critical to, to really understanding, do you have who you need, when you need working on what you need them to work on? Um, and really bringing that into the rest of the, the financial picture, the marketing picture, you know, some of those other operations pieces, like, um, I, I, I love that. So I, I, I really appreciate that you bring that to, to the, to the table in your three pillars, Donna, that's, that's key. 
Yeah, and you know, it really does help when it comes to, like you say, if you're looking for hiring or worst case, if you're looking at firing, it's no longer a subjective and emotional decision because uh-huh. when the data shows, okay, I hired this person for my marketing and my return on investment is X. That's not the, the result I was looking for. I've worked with them on A, B, and C. You know, they're not bringing what I'm looking for in terms of my results and therefore, you know, I got to end this relationship, right? So it's no longer about, well, they ticked me off last week because they didn't do oh. what I want. It's right. now the objective, right? Well, and I think as you're talking, I'm also thinking that there's an opportunity for each of us as a business owner, right? To look at ourselves as, you know, a member of the business, but like, and actually observe ourselves from that CEO space. What mm-hmm. am I doing? What am I spending money on? Is it making money? Is there, wait a minute, I'm doing a whole bunch of things that actually you know, if I bill out at $250 an hour, I could pay someone $85 an hour to do that. Pfft, mind blown, yeah. right? Like, yes. what am I, then the question becomes like, what am I doing? Like, yes, on, right? that's right. And then once you do find that person and you're like, okay, I've delegated these 10, let's say it's 10 hours a week. Yeah. Then how are you going to spend that 10 Bingo. hours? Bingo, right, right. Because right. we can easily waste it or spend it doing something that we shouldn't be doing again. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, if you get caught, caught up in the TikTok spiral, that 10 hours won't take, right? But no, I, but I think that's really, I, I actually think that that is such a brilliant conversation to have, especially for the audience that is listening to this conversation, female founders, whether they're solopreneurs or they are getting into the space where they have team, right? Analyzing and understanding the data about your own behaviors, your own impact on the business and how you can make a greater impact, how you can spend more time doing the things that you love, but that also you're good at so that you can drive business, right? And allow someone else to do the things like go and find them. They love to do that stuff that you don't like. Woohoo! Right? That's awesome because then you can go do more of the things that are actually going to drive the engine of your business. So I really, really love that, Donna, that you bring all of those pieces together into a dashboard, easy to see, because man, it's, it's, you can get caught up in this, in these numbers and these metrics and like, it is intimidating, isn't it? It is for sure. And I think, you know, once the business owners decided, okay, yeah, I need to start tracking some data. Then they get into overwhelm because they're like, okay, where do I start? Well, I've heard I should be looking at this. I should be looking at that. I should be looking and looking. Well, so-and-so is measuring this and they'll end up with, you know, 30 or 50 metrics that they want to track. And it's just too much. It just muddies the waters and makes it really difficult to take action, right? Because the whole point of measuring is to say, okay, I want some clarity. And then I want to take action and measure again and see, did my action produce the results that I want, right? So like eight to 12 metrics is all you need to start with. You don't need 35. (laughs) No, I, you know what I I can, I, not that I've seen that in my own business, but I've certainly seen that in organizations that I've worked with and worked for. Um, it, you're, you are, um, yeah, you, you really start to overbuild it. And, and you couldn't possibly have impact on 35 metrics and 15 strategic directions, yes. right? Like hundred percent. Yes. You can't, you like, there aren't, an, there's not enough hours in the day, the week, the month, there's only 365 days in the year. And we don't actually work all of those days. And yes, you know, being driven is awesome, 
Um, but if we focus on a few things that can make a bigger impact and get those, uh, we can always go back to those other 25 if we get the first 10 firing on all cylinders, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And make sure that those metrics that you do pick are really affecting your bottom line, right? Because uh, we can all get caught up in those vanity metrics. Well, I've got so many follows and so oh many my likes. God. Yeah, okay. Likes and follows are a thing, but they're not something you should be tracking because that's not bringing you income. No. That might be bringing you brand awareness and your friends might be noticing what you're posting. Yeah. But really, that's not converting. No. No, I, you know what? I love that. I just had an example um, uh, in my own world this week where it was, it was about, you know, we're not getting enough views. We're not getting enough interaction. And, you know, my, as a coach, my first step was to say, hey, wait a second. Like, let's celebrate what is working first. Because our brains automatically go to what's not working. Oh, it's, it's all bad. We're failing. It's terrible. It's garbage. No, 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 no. Hold on. Back up. What is working? And then, you know, is that, uh, you know, uh, at, to your point, are we looking at the right metric and also in the right timeline, right? Because there are, there are, there are lag in between yes. the like and the engagement and the, like, so that sales cycle can be longer or the engagement, yes. right? Like really knowing what you're looking at and what is actually important, yeah. right? And, and yeah. understanding, like, did you set the right goal to start with? Because that exactly. was sort of my question. Like, what were we actually expecting in terms of engagement? Because I don't know that we talked about that. So is 15 yes. people engaging great? Or is it 30 or should it be 300? But what were we actually looking for? And what is success? Like really being clear on some of those things. You're nodding. So I can tell you, you are picking up what I am putting down, Don. 100%. Yes. So it's true. Like, even if we look at a goal, like a revenue goal, and you say, okay, for the next 12 months, I want to, you know, increase my net profit by X amount, right? Yeah. I still suggest to business owners that they set a good, better, and best. Because if you set only a good, and you make it way past, you're like, oh, great. Well, we blew that out of the water. But if you set a good, and you didn't make it, or you not quite made it, that's the only number you have. So it's either a pass or fail, right? But if you set a good and your good is based on, you know, last year's numbers and what you think is actually reasonable this year, then your better is stretching a little bit and your best is stretching even further. You know, now you have three areas, a bigger range wow. to be looking at to say, okay, now were we successful? Yeah, okay, well, we passed our good and we almost made it to better. Good, right? John, I love that. I really love that. I think we could use that in a lot of places in our lives, not just yeah, in our business yeah. metrics. I like yeah. that a lot. That that that's going in the show notes, hundred percent. Um, okay, so and you can also do the same, like you were saying with your sales numbers. You can do it with okay. I'm gonna sell, I'm gonna have a launch. I'm gonna sell this course. So have my good, better, and best, and then reverse engineer that and say, okay, if my conversion rate from this audience is normally yep. two to three percent then i need to get this many eyeballs starting on the top of my funnel to get the number that i want at yep. the bottom of it, yeah right and know that up front before you even launch the thing you know okay i need approximately this many eyeballs to reach this good goal yeah um I, and i love how that all sort of i can see how all of that connects together so 
the financial goal connects to that KPI inside of that funnel, connects to what does that launch strategy look like? And then I can measure my marketing. Oh, and how did my team show up and contribute to that? Like I can really visualize how all of those pieces um, start to fill in uh, around some of that. Yeah. Oh, Donna, it's, it's no wonder you get excited about this. This is, this is like magic. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just doing a little bit of math and figuring out beforehand so you know at the end when you're looking at it and saying okay was this successful yeah. maybe it was successful from a revenue standpoint but maybe you know your team fell apart during the launch or something else you burnt out yeah like, exactly. is it really successful if you have to go and take a two-week vacation after because you're so exhausted I, right. I think you gotta I think you gotta throw that one into the mix of was this yeah like did this really work for us because yes. you know that's probably a no on that one. Right. I would agree. <laughs> no, I I I love I love the way you approach this in a really holistic, really ro uh, robust way, as opposed to what is my revenue goal. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um Okay, so I want to switch gears just a little bit. And you alluded yeah. to this at the beginning about your pivots, your many pivots. So Donna, tell us, you know, where have you messed it up, screwed it up, made mistakes along the way? Oh, yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Not that There's much. Not that much. Um, um, yes. <laughs> but honestly, I would say the two big ones that come to my mind that I did struggle with a lot First one being setting boundaries. Yeah. So setting boundaries for myself in my business, but also with my clients. So, you know, at the beginning when I started, I was anxious to work with just about anybody that knocked on my door and I would do just about anything that they wanted. But then I started getting resentment because I'm like, oh, I don't like doing this. You know, and you almost feel like they're not paying you enough for what you're doing. Okay. And so I had to really take a step back and say, wait a second, I'm resenting them, but did I set my boundaries as to what I'm willing to do? No, I just took whatever they gave me, yeah. <laughs> right? And so I really spent a long time struggling with that and really trying to be clear on, okay, when I'm having a discovery call with someone, this is what I do, this is how I work, right? And mm -hmm. finding the same from them and making sure it's gonna be a fit before you say yes. I know for a lot of us, especially when we're starting it, that that dollar amount is tempting. Yeah. But trust me, I've been there and you just get frustrated and it doesn't work out in the long term anyways, because the two of you are not aligned. And so just really spending that time at the beginning, figuring out how you work. You know, if you're a person even who doesn't like to have the morning meetings, you want to have meetings from noon onwards, that's fine. But be clear on that and make sure that the clients or whoever you're working with know that as well even if it's your team, right? That's important. Or if you're the other way around and you just love those eight o'clock Monday morning meetings, that's got to be clear right from the get-go. Yeah. I, I think that that is um, a wonderful highlight in terms of something that you missed and, yeah. and, and a, a great way to reframe in terms of it's, I mean, it's got to start from inside out. Like, what do you love to do? Why do you love to do it? What actually matters most? And for many of us, that's our families, not our businesses. And how do we keep that personal stuff that think those things that are really important to us front and center? Because I mean, I, I tend to be a bit of a workaholic. Well, 
no, I, I my family value is important. So I, I, lo- I love that. And, and really reinforcing that having some boundaries for yourself and for your clients is, is key. You said there yeah. were two things. So what's the other one, Donna? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so the second one is ensuring that I'm acting as the leader or the CEO of my business, mm. even if I'm the only one in it. Love it. <laughs> so by that, I mean, you know, we spend, if we're going to work 30 hours a week, let's say, I was filling 30 hours a week with client work. Yeah. And I had no time for figuring out, okay, where am I going? Where, how am I growing? Where do I want to go? Where can I expand? You know, where are my opportunities? And so, again, I had to set aside some time. And literally, I had to put time in my calendar and block it off as CEO time. So whether that's an afternoon, a week, or a whole day a week, or whatever, but find a time, literally block it off. So nothing else can be booked there. And slowly, you start working away at the things for your own business. You know, how are you changing your marketing? having time to do masterclasses or speaking or whatever lights you up. Um, But making sure you have time in your schedule because yeah, I did not do that. I was filling my whole week with with client work. And then, you know, when you lose a client, you're like, okay, now what? Because (laughs) you've got to do some work to find another one. Right. Um, And so if you keep that time there, you're continuously working on your marketing, however that looks for you. I, you know what, that's such great advice. I, I have a, 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 she's a coach and a friend and she talks about working on your business as opposed to in your business because mm. it's really easy. And we love, we love working in our business. We're, we're doing this because we like it for the most yeah. part. So it is easy to get involved in the work. And when we're solopreneurs, especially, you know, pre-team, pre-consultants, um, we, we do it all. Um, and yeah. it's easy to allow that to take up all the space in a week. Um, but you're right. We have to have some time carved out to work on the business and put that CEO hat on. Again, even if we are the chief cook and bottle washer, we still have to be chief cook sometimes or nothing gets cooked, right? Yes. So I, I, lo- I, lo- I love that as a great lesson. And I too have CEO time booked in my calendar and I guard it. I guard it viciously. There are very few people that get to interrupt CEO time because yes. it's critical, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And it's made such a difference in my business as well because, you know, and even sometimes I might not even be literally designing something. I just might take an hour or two and go for a walk during that time yeah. and just think. Yes, right? Allowing yourself, your creative juices to flow in whatever way, I mean, Go for a walk, do yoga, read a business book, learn something, a little professional yeah. development. Cause man, sometimes we forget about that. Don't we? Yes. Yeah. And Donna, it gets put on the back burner, you know, like I was having lists of podcast episodes. I wanted to listen to and books. I want to read and I was never doing any of it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're just building a big list, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for you for having a great list of business books. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh my gosh, I I am so guilty of that too, because I'm I'm like I am a bibliophile. I love reading. I love books. I'll take any digital, the real copy in my hands, paperback, hardcover. I'm all over it, and so I do have like an ongoing list of books that I need to read. Um, and I I've really tried to start at least carving out a half an hour a week to reading. Like if that's all, like if thirty minutes is all I got, that's yeah. okay. 
right? Yeah, it's better than what you were doing before, which was not in my case. (laughs) Um, Exactly. So I I love that. That is a great lesson uh, to share with the audience today. I I really love that. Um, So the other thing we got you to do, Donna, before you came on the show was our new leadership style quiz, which I'm so happy we've rolled out because I think it's really fun. I think it's really informative. I think it really, again, get your creative juices flowing as a whether you're a leader in your business now, or whether you know you're going to need to lead, whether you lead clients or contractors or employees, we're all leaders. Yeah. So tell us, you were, what did you tell me? You are a supportive leadership style. Yeah, that's what it came out as. And so when you got your results, what did you think? Yeah, I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you, because, um, I do feel, I don't have a team currently, but I do lead many teams from my clients' businesses and um, feel that, you know, that's been what I've been told before in the sense of my leadership style. Um, Probably I do have some cases where I need to be a little harsher, a little earlier in the process. I tend to sometimes let things go longer than I should. Um, And so that's an area I'm working on. I love that. Okay. So nothing too surprising, but maybe reaffirmed a couple things for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. And, and supportive leadership styles are all about collaborating. And it, I mean, I know from having spent some time with you that that's what, that really is one of the hallmarks of how you work, you know, with your clients and lead them right now. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. So what, um, what do you think is important about being a supportive leader? Like, what does that offer you and how you show up? Yeah, I think what I try and do is for the people that I'm leading for my clients teams is that it's not about me above them. It's about us working together and they have their role and I have my role Mm -hmm. and my role is to go between leader and them. And their role is, you know, whatever their zone of genius is. But it's not about a hierarchy where I'm above them and I'm, you know, talking down to them. It's more about we're working on this process together. And together, we're trying to bring the vision of the business to life that the CEO has, right? And so um, I take it from that stance. And so, you know, I strongly believe life happens and people need grace. And so what I like to do is set up sort of like 30, 60, 90 day goals when we bring on a new person. So it's clear for them what the expectations are. And it's clear for myself and the business leader what the expectation of that role is. And then we have a measure, here we go again, measuring, uh, but we have something to measure. We get to 30 days and they're like, they're doing great with task one and two, but three, you know, they're not meeting their goal. Fine, we still have 60 days and 90 days. And that's when I can come in and support them and mentor them if that's necessary or, you know, get them some training or whatever it is. If there's some roadblock in their life that they're not able to do X, Y, Z, you know, but we can examine that a little bit further and we still have time. And so then at the 60 days, we're going to reevaluate and say, okay, yeah, these ones are going great. This one still needs some work. Yeah. And so I, I love find that. that approach is more like we're working together to help you succeed. Yes. yes. But I also love, and you said it, you bring in some of the data, 
right? Like let's let, and, but I think that that's really important. And, and having spent many years working in talent management and HR, Mm-hmm. People need to know if they are performing well or not. And in the absence of knowing, they will create a story in their own head. We all do it. It mm. is, we all would do that. And that story normally is, I'm not doing very well, right? Yes. I'm failing, yes. right? So yep. when, when we have something that is, it creates structure and framework, we're having an ongoing feedback conversation. So they know, what are you doing well? what isn't, what's tricky, what's getting in the way here? And how can we enable you to do things differently and and be better? Because I believe every employee actually wants to do good work. Mm -hmm. We just, sometimes we don't set them up for that success. But I love that even in your supportive leadership style, collaborative, trusting, engaging, you're still bringing in those data points that are important to the business, important to you as a leader and important to the team to help that that team member really grow and flourish. Yeah, and they need to know what those expectations are right from the get-go, right? So make that part of, you know, whatever onboarding experience you have. But during that first week, they should know, okay, my role on this team is this. The vision of what we're all trying to do is this. And these, you know, are my goals that I'm trying to reach, right? And again, then it becomes objective. It's not like, oh, I really like Susie Q, but you know, she's not really working that great, but she's such a good person. We should yes. No, it has to be objective. Yeah. And, and I'll, get, I'll do a little, a, a little shameless plug and a little education. So, you know, that's, that can be starting right from your onboarding process. That's sort of what you're talking about, bringing a new person on and setting them up for success the first days, the first weeks, the first months. How do you build an onboarding process that includes robust feedback, check-ins on a regular basis, so you can get them up to speed and contributing as quickly as possible? It then filters into your overall performance management process Mm -hmm. so that you are constantly and consistently measuring people's performance, again, enabling robust feedback from them and from you so that you know they're performing as a team member and you get some feedback as a leader. And and what that does is it creates engagement, it fosters your culture, it grows a high performance sort of perspective. Um, And ultimately you're really enabling your people to grow your business, right? Right. So speaking of financial results, if you set them up to be successful, uh, they will absolutely drop value to your bottom line. Yes. And if you need help with that, you need to call me and I can help you set that up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. shameless, shameless <laughs> plug, but that's really how all of those pieces, again, fit together. That holistic approach to the KPIs, to the data, to the metrics, Donna, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen it. You know, we've all seen it where someone posts on Facebook, I need such and such in the next 48 hours. And I'm sure, Lindsay, you're just cringing going, okay, they're going to find somebody, but this is not going to be likely a long-term, right? No. Um, In the business, we call it the breath test. Are you breathing? Can you fog the mirror? You're hired. (laughs) That that is, uh, or the pulse test, even better. You have a pulse. Yes. Fantastic. We need you. Let's get you on board. That is never a recipe for successful employee engagement and high performance culture. Yes. yes. You are far better off. And I'm working with a lovely 
female owned and, and led business right now to really help them re-engage their, their recruitment strategy. You need a strategy for your recruitment. You don't just pull this off in 10 days uh, and then build an onboarding program. So when we hire someone, they're successful, but you're right. The pulse test is not a great way to, to recruit and hire people. Actually, it's terrible. And it will result in greater cost and expense to your business. Oh, for sure. And just frustration, right? How many? Yeah, yeah like the mental anguish. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody, nobody's happy. You're not happy as the business owner. They're not happy because they don't feel like you've set them up to be successful. Like nothing good can come from it, I guess, is the way I would phrase it. And ultimately, yeah, it'll impact your bottom line, 100%. I've seen it over and over again. What a great point, Donna. Thank you for, thank you for lining the ball up over the plate for me. I mean, that was, <laughs> I was supposed to be interviewing you, but you've, you oh, just no, said that up so beautifully. I couldn't help myself. That's um, what's so nice about these conversations, right? Is that we're not scripted. We're just, no, yeah. no. And I actually love the way it sort of really indicates the connection, you know, the data and, and, and the metrics and the, and the people and the results aren't separate. In fact, they're intimately connected and you need to have both in your business to really be a successful CEO. Yes, 100% agree. Love it. Donna, this has been a spectacular conversation. Thank you again for your time. I'm super grateful to have you on the show. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so glad we got to connect and have our chat. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. That was a fabulous conversation uh, with Donna. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did hosting. And would you do me a favor? If you really liked this episode, would you give it a five-star review and share it with some of your friends? I'd really appreciate that. I have a goal to impact a thousand female founders. And with your help, we can really amplify the message. Thanks again for being a great part of the show. And don't forget to connect with me at highvoltageleadership.ca. And we'll see you again next Friday.